the unmapped show here. Um, finally. I, finally, he goes. Um, yeah, I'm happy. To, I'm happy to have you here. Uh, I might be a little tired throughout this conversation just because I just had one, but mm-hmm. I will truck through. Uh, I think you're going to be doing most of the talking. Um, Probably. So for the people who are listening, um, this is Chris. 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 Uh, Chryceratops. Christian Galloway. Uh, friend yeah. from high school. So uh, we're going to go into. Um, and I don't know if you've heard any of the episodes or uh, you know been listening to a lot of them. It's been changing over time, but kind of the the main format of it now is uh, talking about education, then talking about passions uh, and such, and then talking about kind of general events, current events, uh, diversity, stuff like that. And I have some cool. questions for you, and uh, you know, we'll see where it goes. So first thing okay. is um, kind of like, for, for you, since I know that we went to the same high school, mm-hmm. is um, one, you know, what pushed you getting into that high school? Because I don't think we've ever actually talked about that. And then subsequently, yeah. from high school to college, uh, what, uh, you know... My path. Yeah, like the path you took to, because you you also transferred college, um, you know, from yeah, Pace to St. John. Yeah, that so, was a process. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I want to go into, uh, you know, what went behind those decisions and uh, mm-hmm. how you ended up where you are right now. Okay, well, I'll start uh, from middle school. I went to PSMS two nineteen. That currently is a K through eight school, so I actually okay. didn't go to middle school. I've never had that uh, transitional experience. Okay. Um. But while I was in 219, uh, one of my teachers had just mentioned the specialized high school test. And I was like, okay, that that sounds cool or whatever. You know, I'm good at taking tests. Mm -hmm. So I went and took the test. And as I was waiting for results, my dad um, had a friend who knew someone in St. Francis uh, Prep. So my dad was like, go to St. Francis Prep. You already have it in. And by that point in my life, I was starting to try to prove myself to both of my parents. Mm -hmm. So I neglected to go that route. And I told them if I get into this high school, I'm going into this high school Mm because I I made it in. Um, Results came back. I made it in. Uh, My dad was a bit upset because he was like, you didn't take the in. And I said, well, here I am. Mm -hmm. I am now in a specialized high school, basically all honors classes, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So I go to... Queens High School for the Sciences, where we went to college, and while being there, um, it was kind of a wake-up call, but not entirely. I got my true wake-up call in college, mm-hmm. but it was kind of a wake-up call because I realized I had it easy. Not to say that um, QHSS didn't pamper us in the certain ways that they did, but I realized that I was really coasting by and my minimal amount of work wasn't going to keep pushing me forward like test taking isn't the answer to life you know um so in doing so i started trying to find my passion um i was interested in law so i did an internship at a law firm that was super cool and i love to go back but one they didn't pay me and two it opened my eyes to all of the background work mm-hmm. like law and order and all that stuff that's not what being a lawyer is 90 percent of it that's just the 10 percent <laughs> in the courtroom and stuff you know right, right. It's a lot of clerical work, and if you're not interested in that, then that's not the job for you. Mm-hmm. Not to say that I'm, I still don't have an interest in law, but it's not something I see myself doing mm-hmm. in so my be- early 30s. Be- before we get into, before we, this is, I think this is a little bit more specific to uh, the sure. category of like internships and jobs post, uh, you know, getting into college mm-hmm. and being in college. So before we go yep. into that, I just want to uh, stay on track to um, from high school to to college. Okay. Like, right, you, so there's a little thing I want to I want to specify is that you said. Uh, you got in your first wake up call in high school. Um, mm-hmm. Like, how do you think that you know that wake up call kind of came to you? 
So um, it's really funny. It was in what class was it? I think it was bio okay. in our freshman year. And I was kind of like not paying attention in class as I did in middle school. It was easy, you know, and took my first test. And the test came back and I had got like I barely passed. Mm -hmm. It was like a 67 or something. And not to say that that's bad. Sometimes you just have bad test grades. But that was the first time I've ever actually received a bad grade. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I realized I was a bit too cocky for my own good. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, wow, I actually have to pay attention and learn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have to go to class and actually listen instead of socializing with friends. And that was the beginning. Not to say that I didn't still slack off in high school, but... I became more aware of what I was doing and when I was doing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like I still made bad decisions, but that's on my decision making, not on my actual knowledge of the situation, if that makes sense. Right. Okay. 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 That makes sense. Um, so when it came to, you know, you know, coming out around senior year and all that stuff, mm -hmm. you know, realistically, and I talk about this a lot on like a lot of the episodes that I've had so far is that. Uh, people at our age in high school, like we didn't know anything, man. When we were like, you know, just on on the rise, like going to college, the application mm -hmm. process, like the our year, our senior year was the first year that we had a guidance counselor to even talk about getting into college. Um, right, Miss Minkowski, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. And um, even at that, she didn't explain anything to the extent that it should have been explained. She she you know barely discussed the loan process, the uh, the mm -hmm. you know amount of debt you'd be taking. Um, you know, where oh. you should be applying, all the options you have, what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. None of that's really discussed with high school students. And, I, you know, it's sad to say that there's no focus on that. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, for every single student, there's a different uh, kind of push to where they want to end up going. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. like there's people like uh, Ivy who, you know, wanted to go to an Ivy League. Um, right. Yeah, no joke intended. But, you know, she, she, she you know, always had <laughs> that drive. Ivy she went to an Ivy League. <laughs> She, she, you know, she, she came from a family and an upbringing that, you know, pushed her to go to that Ivy League. For me, it was like I, I wanted to, you know, get away from home. I wanted a dorm. And, you know, Stony Brook was the closest option for me, and it just made the most logistical sense. Uh, for right. you, like, what, what was the decision that, you know, got, got you to Pace? Um, Pace was one of the schools that sent me the most mail. Mm -hmm. I was really attracted by it being in the city. And... As naive as it may sound, I wanted to experience the private school life. I know I, I ended up still being a commuter, so I didn't get the full experience, but just being in a private school was enough for me. So that that's how I ended up in Pace. I mean, along with no one else in our year going to Pace, that kind of made it interesting. It was a new start. Right. But that is, that that was, is really interesting. Because mm -hmm. coming to Storybrooke, I, I, um, I still see a lot of, a lot of the people from uh, high school I think, uh, I mean, every single year, I think 10%, which is, you know, 10 people for our school out of the 100, end up at Stony Brook. Uh, I still mm -hmm. see Cindy. I still see Steven. Uh, and, you know, I see a lot of these people from high school. And it's it's weird. Like, you know, it's like a past, you know, part of me in meeting the new thing. So I think having a new start is, right. is interesting. Um, mm -hmm. So did you dorm your first semester at Pace? I didn't. I didn't. I have yet to dorm, nor do I think that is an option anymore. Mm-hmm. But I spent a lot of time on campus. I used to always go home really late. I don't think I left Manhattan most days until 10, 30, 11. Wow. wow. Yeah. So, like, I, while I may not have dormed, I was definitely a part of campus life. Mm -hmm. Like, my first set of friends 
had dorms. Oh, okay, okay. So, so I was always getting checked places. in. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. So, you know, private, like, so you said you kind of wanted to get into it for, like, the private uh, college experience, right? So it, to you, you know, before and after actually being at the university and, you know, mm-hmm. quote-unquote experience it, like, what were your thoughts before and what were your thoughts after actually getting there? Beforehand, I thought I was going to get a different type of educational experience because, and this stems from our high school. Our high school, in a sense, is like a private college where you do get a honed-in type of education mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to public schools. Not to say public schools are bad, but it's more generalized. The thing that stuck out for me the most, however, that I did not take into account is that even when you go to a private school, that private school has a specialization. Okay. Now, I ended up uh, becoming a psychology major. Mm-hmm. Pace University is not known for psychology. Pace They're known for business. Yeah. They're known for business and business law. From what and I know. performing arts. Yeah, okay, business performing and performing arts. arts. And they basically short end everyone else. So I ended up getting a CUNY sort of education in a private school. Granted, they had a lot of events, uh, plenty of internship opportunities and networking uh, because, you know, because of their alumni programs and things like that. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, when it comes down to the classes and everything, barely any difference. Okay. Right. So you didn't really get that whole, uh, like you thought, you know, being in a private school would really change, you know, all the resources you've had or you would have and, you know, what you could do with the classes. Whereas... You didn't realize like the specialization and you know the specific oriented programs that they had would really change uh, the direction you went in, and um, that's another yeah. thing. Um, because you know coming to Stony Brook, uh, I ended up being a math major here, but the thing is when I chose coming to this school, I had no idea that this was a school that was good for for math or STEM. Um, mm-hmm. a lucky coincidence, you know, I ended up here and it was uh, Stony Brook's you know a good school for that. But I think most high school kids, like, you know, going to college is more of a decision on name, especially when it comes to family, um, mm-hmm. which is another question I have is, like, you know, how much did your your, your family uh, impact, like, your decision to go to a private versus uh, public, you know, CUNY uh, university? Mm. Um, my parents, well, okay, I'll say my father, because my mother uh, going through college, my mother went through college and my father helped her, but he never went himself. Mm-hmm. So my father will always have this vision for me to go to some private university or whatever it may be because he is obsessed with names. Mm-hmm. My mother, however, she's going, I'm still paying off my student loans. Please go to a CUNY. Mm-hmm. Um, but I liked the idea of a name, mm-hmm. of paying for a name. Uh, for example, everyone is obsessed with NYU yeah, yeah. You know, and things like that. So... It, it had an impact in the sense of the direction of colleges I was going to look at because I did apply to a couple of uh, CUNY schools, mm-hmm. but ultimately the private school seemed like the better choice for me, especially in the field that I was going to go to um, because I wanted to make sure I had some sort of connection when I finally propelled myself out of college because right. a lot of students these days are terrified of the economy and the job openings that they are potentially going to have to start fighting for. Mm-hmm. So I figured if I went to a private school, it would help me in the long run. It would give me a little bit of a push, not a huge one, but enough to where I felt a bit more comfortable. 
comfortable in terms of of uh, like get, like getting a position somewhere, or like you know, getting started. Yeah, in terms of security. Okay, okay, okay. Um, so yeah, that I mean that makes a lot of sense, and I think that idea does hold true for a lot of universities. Um, uh, again, like going back to th this is like an example that I, I can give easily just because I go to this university. Uh, Stony Brook, though a great school, our networking capabilities are very very weak. Um, you know, mm -hmm. compare that to a private university, or Ivy League university. We're not going to have the same Fortune 500 companies, the same um, just like big names out there that are recruiting from our campus. You know, no one right. comes to Stony Brook. It's like, oh, like we're like we're going to come consistently every year, and we want students from this university because we know what you have. Um, like when I go to the job fair, it's like small companies that are for like sales positions, and you right. know, it, it's it's sad to see that. Um, but I, I can understand the uh, idea that you know going to a uh, a big private named university would give you more opportunities in that way. Um, but you know, that it's doesn't a, always it's a bit unfair. It's a bit unfair too because I also noticed while um, attending Pace at these job fairs, there were big companies, yes, mm -hmm. but even the smaller companies were trying to get their foot in. They didn't come as often, but they still showed up because they knew how powerful the networking was at these universities. Mm -hmm. So even, even the smaller companies were trying to fight for these uh, private schools leaving the CUNYs and these other schools out. Mm -hmm. Do you see that difference in the fact that you go to uh, St. John's now uh, versus Pace, like the, the kind of the amount of people that come for recruiting uh, on campus? Um, okay, so they're both private schools, but Pace is this more thing. private, I guess you could say. It's, it's a larger university in general in terms of like population and funding, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. Okay. Uh, pay, I don't. Uh, I checked the statistic. I don't know how true it is now, mm -hmm. but when I was attending universe, uh, Pace, or at least when I started in 2014, Pace had the number one largest alumni network in the United States really? in terms of uh, universities. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, coming to St. John's, it has died down a lot, but there is still a presence. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, the next question would be the difference in. Uh, um the costs, because mm -hmm. uh, again, private universities are extremely, extremely expensive. Uh, kids mm -hmm. from high school graduating, going to college, have no idea how much money, you know, whatever debt they're going in is. <laughs> I like how your your eyes just oh. widen. Yeah, yeah, that it hits you it every hits you. every semester. It's something else. <laughs> yeah, man, and uh, um, you know, I want to go into how bad that decision. You know, I, I don't know if like the full extent, but I'm assuming mm -hmm. it wasn't great. Uh, going to that private oh, university. I'll, I'll was. tell you. I'll tell you all the dirty <laughs> details. <laughs> okay. So, firstly, uh, they tell you about these unsubsidized and subsidized loans. Now, now you, you're familiar with these yeah, because yeah. you also go to a CUNY. Uh, what they don't tell you is that after you get those done, and even after you get your scholarships, you're still paying out of pocket. Mm-hmm. So while, while you may only have to worry about dorming because, you know, you chose a dorm, it's not mandatory, I'm a commuter and I'm still paying out of pocket with my scholarship and my um, right. loans right. from the government. So it's just a hassle. And sometimes I will think to myself while I'm in class or if I'm writing an essay or something, I'm like, was it really worth it? Mm -hmm. You know, um, because this is something you may not know because we haven't spoken in a while. But I'm I'm technically a junior right now. I'm supposed to be a senior like you, mm -hmm. but I'm technically a junior. I had to drop out of school for a semester. Mm -hmm. I'll leave when I was in the process of transferring from Pace to St. John's. Mm -hmm. 
they came up with uh, these fees that prevented me from even obtaining my official transcript, which uh, forced me to skip a semester. And then along with skipping a semester and transferring credits and everything, I ended up falling behind. Not to say that I have a true issue with it. I came to terms. As long as I graduate, it really doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. But the money alone has such an impact on the student's life. And you may think, oh, that's the parent's concern or that can be dealt with. You know, you'll take out loans or whatever. But it's really not. It's not that it's, easy. It stresses me out so much. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and as someone who has dealt with stress and been able to handle stress, it's, it's not fun. And if I can give any advice to anyone in terms of picking your college, yes, private schools are awesome, but make sure you're not paying too much out of pocket because ultimately though, though that networking and everything is not worth it. Right. It's better to have money in your pocket than to know one big name who may or may not help you in a mm -hmm. couple of years. It's, it's no matter where you go or what you do, there's no guarantee. It doesn't matter even if you you know you do amazing. There's a good ch there's a chance no not a good chance but there's a chance that you'll get your degree you'll you'll you have done well everything kind of worked out but you still don't end up at the position you thought you were gonna end up at. There's no promises there's no guarantees. You're in a kind of machine that is and this is the best way I, I like putting it now is is colleges have become a business. Definitely. When you when you go to a lot of these universities, like they're taking your money and the outcome doesn't matter for the university. They're not getting anything really out of you you doing well after graduating. It doesn't matter to them. Aside from a couple of numbers to take more money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, colleges like boasting about, you know, those who come back, uh, the alum alumni who donate. But, you know, that's a very mi minority, minute population that actually ends up that accomplished, capable enough to come back and, you know, donate that money. Right. Um, but, yeah, uh, uh, for the, the whole idea of uh, debt, um, I want to go into, like, the actual difference and uh, the numbers when it comes to, you know, going to Pace versus going to the St. John's and like uh, mm -hmm. how big, you know, that deterrence was. Um, um, so I, I will say um, just from a net uh, value off the top of my head, because I would have to pull up my tuition bill and everything. From what I know, I am already paying about 7,000 less. A semester? Uh, a year. A year. A year. Okay, like okay. cumulatively, 7,000 okay. less. And I mean, I, that may not sound like a lot, but oh, it's a lot, man. It's <laughs> a lot. Um, there's yeah. a, one semester that always stands out to me, and this is the one that really made me understand the value of money. Was at um, my uh, junior year of uh, of of college. Um, my parents, um, the, our financial aid went down a little bit because we were we were moving, and they were a little less capable also capable also financially. Um, mm -hmm. So at this point, I had some money saved up. Uh, so for the semester, I helped them out. For that one semester, uh, helping the amount that they're paying on top of the loans that I was taking, which was approximately mm -hmm. like 2.53 grand, that mm -hmm. was all of my savings that I had for three years of working every summer. And like mm -hmm. after after that money was like gone in like an instant, I was like, Jesus, like this is so, like I worked like hundreds of hours to save that money. You know, it's gone in a second. Like you really understand like the the, the physical the value, scale, like the time trade-off. Mm-hmm. Um, so w when did you actually transfer from, from Pace? Like when did that decision come I out? transferred, um, let me see. I want to say my second semester of sophomore year. Second semester, sophomore year. Okay. 
Yeah. So you did so, two years, took a uh, gap year or a gap semester, and then you continued? Uh, a gap semester, which okay. ultimately put me back a year, but a okay. gap semester. Again, I, I, I was just the person I was just talking to. We had this conversation where it's like, um, it's it's very common now for a lot of undergraduates to uh, the general average uh, amount of time it takes was five years. Um, mm -hmm. I think more and more people are getting more accustomed to being okay with either changing majors, changing what they're doing, and getting geared more towards like what they want to do. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's more important to a lot of people now, which is which is good. Like I, I think that's really important because you're better yeah. off changing on a little bit earlier, uh, you know, down the line than later on where you're already done and you're like, oh, like I don't want this now. You know, I, all that time was wasted. Yeah, yeah. Doing a 180 very early on, it's like, you know, I made the decision to change. It may take longer, but, you know, I'll be happy with that decision later on. Right. Um, Definitely. So when did you switch the, the majors? Because um, what were you, I, you were I, in law. So this is going into the internships and stuff. Okay. Okay. So um, I did my internships back in high school, I think, uh, sophomore year and junior year of high school. Okay. And at that point, um, I had decided that I was interested in law, but I did not want to pursue it as soon as I got out of college, mm -hmm. you know, my late 20s, early 30s. At this point, I started looking for alternatives that could place me somewhere for the time being. And if I do decide to change completely, as well as propelling me into law, if I ever become ready, that's when I stumbled upon psychology. Mm -hmm. Psychology is one of those majors where... It doesn't really matter what you do with it as long as you're working with people. So it is very safe. Mm -hmm. And that was extremely appealing to me. Um, once I started taking psych classes, I actually started developing a passion and a love for it. But before then, it was strictly um, a strategic maneuver mm -hmm. based on what can I use if I get into law and what can I do as a career if I choose not to do law. And psychology was the answer. I could open up my own practice. I could become a teacher. I could work for the police force. Mm -hmm. So many different things. I could even uh, do PR, you know. Right. I, I can do some sort of like business related thing. So instead Psych of looking at it, instead of, look, sorry, cut you off. instead of looking at it like, um, you know, what can I get from this? You start looking at it, it's like, what, like, would I offer someone? Like, you know, if someone was to want to hire someone, it's like, I already have these skills because I wanted to do that. I wanted to learn it from my, for myself and I know all this information. So there's a good chance that this, you know, X, Y, or Z company or firm or whatever it may be would want to hire me because I've already attained all this information and knowledge. Okay. Okay, right. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And it, it kind of, it made sense, uh, just from the way I grew up too, because my mother, she struggled through college. Um, Granted, she has um, a career that isn't tremendously uh, competitive mm -hmm. because it's so small. She's a speech pathologist. A what? So there's not a speech pathologist. The, Essentially, she. she <laughs> I'm sorry. She, I've never, never in my life. Have I ever heard no, it. it's it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> okay. So essentially, she studies uh, the, the the development and the learning of speech. Okay. Uh, so from when you're a child to when you're an adult. Mm -hmm. And those who have learning disabilities or those who are impaired in some sort of way through their communications, she assists with that. Oh, okay. okay. So I, the I, same I, way. I've mm -hmm. known of that position. I never knew it was called a speech pathologist. Okay. Speech pathologist, yes. Okay. 
So she does that, but she, I think she switched a couple of times in college. And my father, he will, he, he says he's self-taught and he, he truly is, but um, he just picks up jobs whenever they come to him. And his whole thing is how many people he knows and that's how he gets forward in life. I wanted something where it was a combination of the two, mm-hmm. where it was still a field that was breaking in and not tremendously competitive, but also allowed me to network to a degree where I can pick up whatever comes to me. Right. Okay. That makes that that I think that's more. Um, um, it's a little less stressful, where mm-hmm. you know you're not just waiting for the next move. You kind of have your pieces and. Uh, like you're just, not, not, I don't know, it's a good way to phrase this. Um, but you kind of have the moves more in front of you. Like you have the options rather than you're just trying to figure out the game itself. Right. Not not to say that you shouldn't hone in if you know what you want to do. Yeah. You know, like if, if you know you want to be, uh, take my mother for example. If you know you want to be a speech pathologist, go for it. You know, if you know you want to be a doctor, if you want to be, um, some sort of uh, health physician, anything like that. If you have a specific work towards it and that work ethic will put you there. Mm -hmm. But if you're someone like me who um, has just an interest in a lot of things and you don't know exactly where you want to be just yet, it is very safe and it's still beneficial Mm -hmm. to both yourself and whoever decides to hire you. Right, right. It's a two-way street. You know, it's not just like, it, it has to be give or take. Um, that's a good segue mm-hmm. to. Um, I like the next section I like talking about is uh, passions. So, mm, okay. so what, what you discussed was you kind of felt passionate about uh, psychology, uh, mental mm-hmm. development, uh, working more with people. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to focus on that, and then I also want to focus on. I know you did like photography for a little bit. I don't know mm-hmm. how how into it you got, how deep you went. I actually, uh, it's a couple episodes ago, I interviewed a friend of mine who's um, he's the operations manager at a, a upcoming. Uh, a streetwear uh, company okay. uh, you know he, he got in photography and like it's just it's like a love that he has and he somehow made his side hustle you know part of his hustle so that's cool of, yeah kind of want to go into those passions that you have okay so I'll start with psych um, as you know since we went to high school together and we've had quite a few classes I love to talk and <laughs> I like making friends uh, <laughs> probably a little too much for my own good but I've always it's, it's sort of a, it's a double-edged sword. I like making friends or I like tolerating people um, to an extent where even if they shouldn't be, I try to attempt to anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because of that, I had an interest in other people. So when I found out about psychology and studying people, how they work, the different types of um, moves that they'll make, not to say that psychology is a study that tells you how someone ticks, but it's more of a, um, we're creatures of habit, right? Us, us as humans are creatures of habit. And when you study psychology, you study those habits. Mm-hmm. So you may not be able to pinpoint exactly what someone is going to do or what they're going to say, but you have a good idea of the path that they might land on, which could help you understand them. You find the and that, Yeah, that, that truly fascinated me. And I was like, wow, it's crazy. And it's really funny because uh, there is this joke that you probably heard before. Psychologists can fix everyone's problems but their own. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but I kind of did that in high school, mm-hmm. uh, like, w- like without, like, not on purpose. And it just kind of fit for me. It, it made sense. Right. So I started studying. 
I actually took a psych class back in high school. I took the um the college uh, college, college now. now. Yeah. Yeah. So I took the college now and I took psych and I was like, "Oh, yo, this is really cool." Um so once I got into college, I had this really interesting experience um that I just want to share in terms of my psych career because I took college now when I went to Pace and got those credits transferred, they were like, "We don't know exactly where to put you because all freshmen take intro to psych if you're going to be a psych major so we don't know what to do and i was like listen i don't want to take class again that i don't have to take mm -hmm. so i ultimately got put into um a psych 300 class which uh, freshman year is, yeah in freshman year that's quite my a jump. first my first semester in college was a 300 class in psych i was surrounded by juniors and it was it was intimidating to say the least. Um, this was also around the time I come to find out that no one cares how old you are or what grade you are in college. Yeah. Everyone is the same playing field. Yeah. But it was it was intense. But because I got pushed so hard into it so quickly, I realized or I got a glimpse of what was to come, mm -hmm. and that's when I truly discovered that psych was a passion of mine. That click for you. Yeah, and in terms of photography, hmm? uh, I was gonna say this is a little off topic, but I don't know if you've seen the show Mind Hunters on Netflix. Um, you would one hundred percent love that show. Um, anyone that's listening to this, like watch that show. It's actually um, based on how the psychoanalytic department in the FBI came about. Um, mm -hmm. It's the stories of like real serial killers and how the department, like you know, started visual, uh, started understanding the trends and the analytics behind us. Uh, uh, psychological behavior and you know kind of getting in the mind of a criminal to figure out what they're going to do um before they do it um it's a really interesting show i think you would love it i just wanted to just throw that out there. oh no i'll definitely <laughs> i'll definitely check it out <laughs> i appreciate it um okay so for uh for photography um i always like taking pictures it started because i was self-conscious Mm -hmm. and I didn't like pictures being taken of me, so I was like, oh, I'll still be a part of this by taking the photos. Then people started praising me, and that's probably a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, another thing I'm good at. Ah, amazing. So then that's when I started taking more and more photos, and then um, remember I started uh, stealing our friend's camera? Yeah, yeah. And then I started I started working for our student government organization, taking mm -hmm. photos for the events, and people just kept praising me. And I was like, wow, you know, I'm good at this. I should, <laughs> I should keep going. <laughs> um, but it's always been a hobby. I never took it too seriously. And it's funny because whenever I talk to photographers now, they go, you treat photography like a serious hobby. You don't treat it like um, a main focus. Not to say that you shouldn't major in photography in college or whatever, but the way to truly do it is to do, do your hustle, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. And on all, all your downtime, you'll practice your photography. You'll get your name out there. You'll start networking. And from there, you'll build a name for yourself and you can make the transition. Right. I really like the idea of that. Haven't done it. <laughs> I <laughs> it had takes, a friend. It takes time. It, do, it does, and I also don't have... Okay, so people will ask me what my dream job is, and it's really funny. I just have this vision for myself where I'll go hiking, I'll take pictures of beautiful scenery and nature, and it will show up on someone's calendar in their living room. 
Ooh. Don't ask me why, but that is my dream job. Something about that, it, oh, it, 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 oh, I feel it. <laughs> why not? Right. Well, there's so many. Yeah, there's, no, it's. There's, um, do you know, I don't know if you follow this, this Instagram, uh, uh, check, uh, Sarah Underwood. Uh, she literally, she, uh, she, she literally, well, you, you probably know her. Um, I'll send you a, a, a link or I'll DM it to you later, but, uh, she's always just in nature. Uh, she just works with photographers and she's just like hiking and taking photography, um and it's just like you know like you see it and you're like wow like you get to experience this but also it's like a career path for you it's like it's, it's cool yeah. you know mm-hmm. so like i was that always interests me so i was like okay i'm gonna keep taking pictures until one day maybe i'll make it there but also at the same time i truly just enjoy it as a hobby and a part of me doesn't want to monetize it just because of what it means to me mm-hmm. um not to say that i I'm not above it. I will 100% monetize my work. But <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> I'm not, I don't have the current drive to do so. Like I had this friend who started an Instagram um, when I was at Pace and he was like, oh, I'm getting into photography too. You know, you help me out. So I was helping him with his technique and everything. And his Instagram page started blowing up. So I was like, yo man, you know, congrats or whatever. He was like, you need to blow up yourself too. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'll work on it. He said, no hashtag your photos hashtag all your photos and that and i was like yeah i'm gonna do it and i haven't hashtag a single photo to this day <laughs> why i have no idea <laughs> I, I, I if you ask me why i couldn't tell you i just i haven't done it i'm not against it i would love to get more followers and more and more praise please <laughs> but i don't know it's it's truly just a hobby for me that I genuinely, that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel the same way about, I mean, doing what I'm doing right now. It's like, I, I don't know if this will ever pan out and be anything, but like, I like the idea of being able to put out something that, you know, people might enjoy. Um, I'll, get around it get it. I'll get around to it. Someone I had spoke to told me about uh, this website. I don't remember it off the top of my head, but I'm going to search for it again, where you can create your own things. Like you can create calendars, you can create books or whatever. And one of my photography projects, which had just ended recently, which is probably why people think I quit photography, um, but I took a photo a day for a whole year on Instagram. It's a lot of photos. If you go, if you go through my Instagram from December 18th of 2016 to December 18th of 2017, there was at least one photo. There were a couple of days where I posted multiple photos, but there was at least a photo a day, um, partially so that I could find photos in my everyday mundane life. Because nine out of 10 times when people post on Instagram or they take photos in general, it's for some big event mm-hmm. or something really pretty that day. I wanted to capture the beauty and every mundane day life. Right. You know? Uh, so key, I did. I- Key, yeah, sorry to cut you. I, I I hate Skype. It's just so bad. At, like, uh, I'll talk to... too much. It's fine. No, that's, that's, yeah, uh, it, I think it's just the fact that there's a little bit of lag uh, between uh, what I say and how how when it gets to you. Um, one of the things uh, one of my friends always says, and we have this conversation a lot, is that people on Instagram, and this is really important for like young, I think like college students, uh, like mm-hmm. seniors in high school, or like people people not just seniors in high school like upperclassmen in high school people who are like really on social media and are heavy on that it's like everything on social media is a highlight reel um there's a big part of those are the people that are really you know on it and they're trying to make uh, you know something out of it 
is you know, all the pictures that they take it's for the purpose of i want this to become something uh it kind of takes for some people you know not all of them for some it takes away the the love aspect of it like i just want to do it to do it uh the way you said like you do it for the, the mundane like i want to do it to get the everyday little things out uh, not just because mm-hmm. i, I want to do photography so you know people come to my page i mean i did try to make them look pretty but the <laughs> point was the point was to find uh aesthetic in your day-to-day you know the things you might overlook um and it really pushed me um i literally got out of bed and i would just start looking around and i'll go okay what's going to be a picture for today and i try not to take a picture of the same thing so at some point i just had to stop taking pictures in my own home Mm -hmm. and i had to go outside and then i had to stop taking pictures at pace because i took so many uh, pictures at pace and then it really pushed me to find photography everywhere but it also did drain me in a good way because I did enjoy it, but I haven't posted on Instagram since. Mm-hmm. Uh, not because I quit Instagram. I just been busy. I needed a break. Yeah, you, you <laughs> do stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of school, so uh, I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, more on uh, kind of the experience you've gotten. Uh, I haven't okay. been like completely up to date with everything you've been doing. I know you, you got a, uh, you know, a part-time job and all that. Um, so, like, if you've had internship experience or anything of, of, of uh, kind of that sort. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't interned anywhere since high school, mm-hmm. partially because as a college student, I need money. Right. So I can only network but so much before it hinders me. Um, but I actually didn't start working until last summer. Because, I mean, I, I, I did tutoring here and there. But it was no official W-2, um, you know, had to give me social security, right, anything like right. that. It was all off the books, you know? Yeah, okay. So this was like an actual job for me. And I kind of like it. It keeps me on a routine, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it, it gives me a sort of consistency. Because when I wasn't working, I had tons of free time. And when you have free time, you don't want to do any of the things you have to do. Nothing. Nothing at all. It's, so, it's difficult to make yourself do work when you have mm-hmm. no work to do, really. So now that I have work, now that I have an obligation, it puts me on a schedule where I'm in work mode or I'm in a mode to be out and about. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, I start getting my homework done. I start doing the things I need to do. And it really helps out. It's good for me. It's hard to juggle a work in school, but it's good for me. Yeah, it it definitely it helps with scheduling. Uh, the mm-hmm. first the first job I had as a personal trainer, we were uh, forced not forced, but like we were told no no I guess forced, but we were we had to use a Google Calendar, um, schedule all of our clients, schedule when we're at the gym, and it really teaches you how to maintain a schedule, um, you know how to be held accountable, how to uh, kind of you know. Uh, what's a good way to put this? Um, you know, uh, hold, take a position of responsibility and be held liable by someone at a higher position who has the authority to fire you. Like that's a that's a big thing that a lot of people need. Um, it's a mm-hmm. good push because you're like, well, I need money. If I don't do my job, I don't get money. I'm, right. I'm, I'm gonna keep working. <laughs> I'm gonna keep working. <laughs> exactly. I'm gonna be a good worker. People still don't understand that. Like I have. A handful of coworkers that, and I question how are they still there. Right. But I mean, that goes with anywhere. Dude, those but people, no, it. 
those those people, the, the individuals, because I have a lot of coworkers that are like that too. The individuals who can't maintain their time and you know show up to jobs that are of you know lesser category like minimum wage jobs or jobs that are just like you know part-time for seasonal workers if you can't you know make it to those jobs you're in for a rude awakening you know right definitely definitely it's i think more people need to work not not to say that um you have to go get a job but summer youth is is doing a justice (laughs) right not like, uh, yeah, you'll have your, your teenagers who are like, oh, I'm just doing it to get money or whatever, but it does put them in situations that make them uncomfortable. They are reprimanded for not doing something when their parents might not do that. They are expected to um, be present and to attend and to co- uh, cooperate with um, you know, different types of people when their school may not emphasize that. And it really sets you up for life because life ultimately is all about how you deal with people and how well you deal with yourself when you don't like those people. <laughs> that's a good way to that's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean I, I was actually talking to a coworker today. We were talking about just like general positions at uh, like you know, working at any firm. At the end mm-hmm. of the day, an economy is the conglomerate of a bunch of people. You know what I mean? The entire system only functions because there's uh, positions uh, and, you know, uh, jobs or uh, kind of roles that need to be fulfilled. And those are all in cooperation with other positions, jobs, fields and people. So if you can't work with those people, what are you going to do? Right. Yeah, that's really important. All right. So that's another sh- reason why I like psych. Just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's psych is really interesting. And that's honestly that's uh, something that is is a pushing factor in why i started the podcast is um mm-hmm. i like talking to people because everyone has a story like it's really really interesting and everyone has like a different reason why they do what they do um right. i always love that part um okay so the next section i want to get into and you saw this coming is uh um <laughs> this is a question that i think is actually really important speaking from a societal point of view is the okay. idea of being unable to objectify a man um Okay. I think that this is. I think so. There's there's a lot of reason to debate, and the thing is, I have to tread lightly when I say anything in the subject matter because I'm always scared that someone on YouTube, someone when I put this on the internet, will take a section and just just like screw me over and make it seem like I'm completely against something. So like I'm trying to make it clear that I'm all for equality, but when it comes to equality in terms of uh, male and female, I think Mm -hmm. it is one sided, and there are a lot of arguments where. Um, you know, you don't look at it sensitively for the male perspective. Um, right. So for you, uh, the question is, you know, and I did play a part in this, so I, I am apologetic for that. Um, you know, you have, in my opinion, and you've, you've discussed this at, your, at, at lengths before, been objectified mm-hmm. for, your, uh, for your genitalia. And I think right. that is something that's like, like, you know, no one's going to bring it up. No one's going to want to talk about it. But at the same mm-hmm. time, like, like that's a possibility that people won't talk about. So do you think that that's like actually, you know, something that is possible? Um, no, you are 100% valid in your, you know, how you're viewing it. Um, before I dump into the topic, though, I just want to give my two cents on why people might think that. And that's because people are so focused on... Uh, what's at the forefront and the forefront is is that women get objectified more Mm -hmm. 
So a lot of times people equate exposure to importance, which isn't the case, but that is the general consensus. And because of that, people will neglect to talk about um, male sexuality and male objectification and things like that. But to dive further into what you brought up, um, back in high school, um, <laughs> I, I guess I'll just I'll tell the story very briefly. I'll try back to, I'll in try high to work school, around it and like not be. It's it's it. fine. <laughs> it's fine. No, like ultimately you you didn't do anything wrong. Um, it was how I handled it and how I felt about it at the time. But okay, so back in high school, I had this girlfriend who was close friends with you. And she, you know, like basically divulged a lot of information about me to you, which I was okay with because I also trusted you and we were best friends, but they weren't necessarily things I would tell you up front. One of those things was um, about the size of my genitalia. Um, so you being, you know, a male high schooler is going, oh my God, that is that's amazing you know I wish I had that <laughs> so then <laughs> you tell our immediate circle of friends because that is our immediate circle and those are things you talk about in high school right. but from there it blew up because we went to a very small high school 400 kids total mind yeah. you there are only four grades in, in high school and in, in the US high school system so virtually a hundred kids a grade so things spread around fast and ultimately the majority, if not all, of our graduating class graduated knowing my size. And at the time, that was not information I really wanted people to know about, especially about myself, because I wasn't fully accepting of myself at that point in my life. Uh, so it was kind of difficult for me. I would always shut it down. I would say, no, don't talk about that. Like, I wouldn't say, oh, it's not true. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, like, it is true. And you kind of want to brag about it. But at the same time, you don't. Uh, so it was hard for me to maneuver. But it's, it's something that happens. Um, and to bring it to a broader scale, you'll have male models on like Hollister and stuff. Actually, ooh, here's an even better one. Uh, and I think this is relating to your topic if it's not stop me. But all of these cases about um, female teachers having relations with male students in high school and everyone's immediate reaction is, oh, he wanted it. Why would he tell on her? Things like And that that's outrageous, you know? Ultimately, they're a minor. It's statutory rape regardless. But people have this view of, of males, of boys, of men, however you want to refer to them as, as these sort of um, sexual deviants. When one, females are just as bad, if not more. It's just not spoken about. And two, people should be allowed to explore themselves. So the limitations that are put onto... Um, that gender is very limiting so when people come up to me and they go oh are you really that big or things like that they expect me to boast about it mm -hmm. and they they're like oh can i see oh you're lying and that's another thing <laughs> people are 
that is another thing. Guys feel inclined to lie about it because the media has sort of convinced people that that is the norm or that's the only thing that's acceptable. So it's just, it's truly difficult to navigate as, as um, being a victim of it. But it did help me. It did push me to um, learn myself more and to accept myself. But it's it's 100%. It exists. It exists. I, I wanted to bring it up in this way because I really thought about it. And, you know, like I joke about it because like, we're, we're close friends. And mm-hmm. like, you know, this high school stuff, like it's not, you know, no, no like serious, you know, following right. was, was meant. But then I really started thinking about it. And, you know, there's so much debate in current media in terms of equality. And I think a lot of, of the way that the debates are structured can end up being skewed to one side. And the thing is, I think it's for a lot of people, it's hard to believe that. And when I say that, they're like, oh, like you what? Like you're, you know, against, you know, women's women's rights. It's like, no, like I just think that there's some topics that, you know, it's possible that it can be against men. You know, that, that's right. a possibility. Um, right. I actually wanted to actually, you know, bring it up in a in a way where you know it, uh, of importance. Mm-hmm. I I agree with you, and again, and I can't stress this enough because I had a recent conversation with uh, one of my friends. Well, one of our friends actually um, about it, or rather about men versus women in general. Mm-hmm. There was this post that. Um, the post started off by saying racism is built in a structure of dominance. Therefore, you can't be racist to white people because they are, they have the power, right? Now, that's arguing semantics. We're not going to get into that. But the post also continued to say sexism is built under a system of dominance. Therefore, you cannot be sexist to men. You can still be prejudiced. You can still be discriminatory, but you can't flat out be sexist. And so we were talking about it, and one thing he failed to realize uh, was that, okay, his argument was is that you can be sexist to men, but it's not as important because women are being harassed 24-7. You hear about it all the time. Women are going missing. Women are being raped. Women are just being flat-out harassed for just walking to work, Right. And he failed to realize that, yes, that is at the forefront. That is something we need to address right away. But just because that is the hot topic doesn't mean it's the only topic or the most important topic. Men also get harassed. Men also experience um, sexual assault. And just because the frequency of conversation is shifted to one side doesn't mean that the other side isn't important. And I think that's going into what you're saying. You're just trying to bring up the other side, yeah, you know? Exactly. You're you're admitting that women do need help and that they do need to um, be protected. And it's very unfair, the things that are happening to them. But we should also, as a people, understand that men are experiencing the same thing. Just because it's at a lesser degree doesn't make the crime any worse. You need to understand the whole you know? truth. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't pick and choose what you want to know and what you want to claim to be the, the facts. The facts are, 
you know, laid out there, and you have to take everything into consideration as a, as a whole to really, you know, get the big picture of what's going on. And right. as soon as you start denying one side and only accepting the other, you're kind of skewing all of the information, and now it becomes this versus that versus everything in the middle. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So I'm glad to uh, have you know talk about that in a like serious way. Um, the last thing that that I like asking for everyone that I have on on the show is um, what your short term goals are. Um, you know, you're you're uh, at, at as of right now a junior in at St. John's um, doing you know, pursuing psychology. Uh, so you know, short term uh, or long term, you know, what you plan on doing, uh, even maybe even with your photography passions, like in, in mm-hmm. upcoming months, maybe years, whatever you have planned out. Uh, okay. Know, just to give a general idea of kind of what you're doing now. Okay, um, so where I am currently, um, I'm going to finish the psych bachelor's, and I'm most likely going to go for my master's, um, just as a backup, because life is so difficult, I had to create a backup. I also took the firefighter exam, only the written portion so far, and I'm waiting for the results of that. If those come in well, I'm going to go in for the physical so a firefighter is a short-term solution if college doesn't pan out. Strictly for financial reasons, because I'm doing fine in college. So strictly for financial reasons, a firefighter is the short-term. Um, long-term, hopefully I can continue to get my master's in psych. Um, I will continue doing photography as a hobby. I'm going to jump back on Instagram fairly soon. I'm itching to take photos again. Um, and I've even taken a couple of photography classes just to keep myself in the mindset. But I'm really just trying to take things day by day. I don't have a true long term. I just have an end goal. And the end goal is to get the master's in psych, regardless of what I do with it, whether I end up going to law school, whether I open up my own firm for um, clinical psychology or whatever I decide to do. Even with photography, even if I somehow make it big with that, I want to ultimately get the master's in psych. Sounds like a a relatively, like, like you know, not not something that's, like, too kind of written in stone, but something Mm -hmm. that's, like, it's an idea. It's, like, it's just... A general like a uh, blueprint, a uh, general kind of, you know, something you can reach for. I found I found it's better to have these sorts of goals because it doesn't limit you and how you go about them. Um, it allows for more versatility, which in turn allows for better results. Because if you if you're too rigid, um, you'll break easier, and your plan can break easier. So I think it's better to have sort of open-ended goals that still have a clear um, a clear path. Like there is a desire for something. It's not just, oh, I want something, just, just to want it. And it may not be for everyone, but for those people who um, their life is constantly changing or if they're constantly changing, this is definitely the way to go. Because that way you can seamlessly go through your days without having to change your end goal. Have a little bit less stress. Just take it one step at a time. Right. Yeah. Um, 
the last actually the last person I just talked to actually he's starting a, a, his own little uh, um, like uh, company for for shirts mm-hmm. like he has like a clothing wear going out and uh, he's a personal trainer um, he worked at the gym that I used to work at and the motto is build and don't stop and mm-hmm. I should really like that um, it, it's a little cliche but at the same time it's really it's a truth you start somewhere you right. build it you just keep working toward hammer at it you know day by day um, mm-hmm. it'll get done <laughs> yeah um, so again uh, thank you for being here I thank will you for having anything, me I'll, I'll uh, link your Instagram for your photography um, okay and if you have anything that you want to say any last notes to anyone who listens to this uh, go for it um, something someone said to me uh, in relation to schoolwork, but I think this applies heavily throughout your life if it's important enough it'll get done so don't worry about how it's going to happen just do what you're doing and if it's important to you it will eventually happen what a, what a, that's, a that's a good one I like you. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, you, got, you got a couple of good quotes in in this in this episode. Um, Appreciate it. All right. Uh, thank thank you again for being here. Thank you for anyone who uh, listened to the, the the episode, the podcast, the video. Um, you know, share, like, all that all that stuff if you enjoyed it. Um, and I'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace out.